Little honey bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop in black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Good morning, and welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table, a show dedicated to the people of our community who produce, preserve, and prepare our regional foods. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. That cute little theme song you just heard was performed and arranged by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's gotten to be very popular, and she's even sung on the Grand Old Opry. We're really proud of this young woman, and even more proud to say that she's from Monroe County, Tennessee. This morning, we're setting the table with two guests. The first, Ronnie Lundy, who in recent weeks has won two James Beard Awards from her latest book entitled Vittles. We'll hear Ronnie cover a wide variety of edible greens and the way we like to cook them here in our mountain south. We'll also visit with Chef John Fleer, currently of Asheville, North Carolina. He was a 20-year resident of Maryville, Tennessee, and the chef of Blackberry Farm. Chef Fleer was the originator of the Foothills cuisine and one of the earliest proponents of the farm-to-table eating phenom. He's a person who's helped to spotlight a good many of our regional producers and making several of them famous nationally. I thank you so much for listening here with me today. It's such a privilege to have your good company. Now let's get started. Ronnie Lundy is a food writer, a lover of bluegrass music, and a storyteller. A Corbin, Kentucky native, she makes it her business to write about the food, stories, and music of Appalachia. Her latest book, called Vittles, is spelled V-I-C-T-U-A-L-S, and it's recently won two James Beard Awards, one for Cookbook of the Year and one for Publication of the Year. Before Ronnie went on the road for the book tour of this cookbook, I drove to her house in North Carolina last fall and recorded a reading from several of her books that she's produced over the past 30 years. And today, we're going to hear Ronnie read from her book, Fiddles, that's this big award-winning book, and specifically from the chapter entitled, Messing with Greens. Look at all this nice food. So this is from Vittles. Um, an Appalachian Journey with Recipes, and this chapter is called Messing with Greens. Winter in the mountains begins with the first bowl of soup beans, corn popped later to fuel the crisp early night with conversation. 
In good years, the fun of getting cozy seems to last until little Christmas, the end of the holidays on January 6th. Ah, but then the slow slide into cabin fever begins. It's not that winter doesn't have its pleasures in the mountains, it's just that it sticks around too long. That may be why mountain dwellers seem to have an absolute passion for wild spring greens. The more pungent, the better. That's why they start scouting the landscape in the first warm days for the telltale signs of ramps, most famously, but also for branch lettuce and then creases. It's why they look for early poke and pick its tiny tender leaves. And that love of greens extends as long as it can, right through the last of the fall mustard and kale in the garden. Each green has its own distinct flavor and texture, and certain greens are cooked one way, while others are best made another. And while there are plenty of methods for cooking these greens, they can largely be grouped into three families. Lettuces for killing, salad, and pot liquor. Lettuces for killing. Families take to the woods to gather up a mess, meaning enough to feed everybody, of greens and come home to fry up a skillet of bacon. The cooked bacon is crumbled to be added with chopped green onions on the finished dish, and the hot bacon grease is used to dress the crisp greens, also doused with cider vinegar, a dose of salt, and black pepper. Branch lettuce is one of the favorites for killing. It gets its name because it can be found along the edges of icy mountain springs or branches in the earliest spring. Not actually a lettuce, it's a variety of saxifraga, with toothy, fuzzy leaves that offer just a bit of resistance when you bite, and a taste that is tart and cleansing. Of course, killed or kilt lettuce, so-called because the hot dressing wilts or kills the greens, can be made with any crisp garden salad green. Even in the city, I knew that spring was in the air when my mother announced that killed lettuce was for supper. She used the best iceberg lettuce she could find. These days, I gravitate toward mache and arugula mixed with young romaine. My mother would make a skillet of cornbread, and that would be our whole meal. Something primal and reviving in that big bowl of hot dressed greens. Salad. Salad isn't salad. A salad of greens in the South is made by cooking particular fresh greens fairly quickly in a skillet of hot bacon grease. In the mountains, we make salad with a variety of wild greens. The most famous of these is poke salad, of course. And well, if you have that album by Tony Joe White that spells it P-O-L-K-S-A-L-A-D, my guess is you shouldn't blame that Louisiana boy. That prissy spelling was likely fotched on by a record label on one of the coasts, bless its heart. Poke, P-O-K-E is short for pokeweed, a wild and profuse plant with leaves that are edible only in the very early spring and only if cooked properly. It's a bother to prepare, but we bothered because the taste, similar to spinach but brighter and tangier, is one a body begins to crave. Poke is said to have tonic and reviving qualities, and while I can't make any such health claims for it, I know I always feel pert after eating a mess. We harvested only leaves smaller than your hand, and no other potentially lethal part of the pokeweed was consumed. After rinsing them well, we boiled the poke greens in a big pot of water for three minutes uncovered, and then thoroughly drained the water. We'd repeat the process. And some folks boiled and drained as many as four times. I rinsed the leaves after the second draining, then shook and patted them dry with a tea towel. 
The mess was then cooked in bacon grease in a skillet with chopped up green onion until everything was tender and then eaten with cornbread. Poke was not the only wild green to get the salad treatment, and that's salad, S-A-L-L-E-T. Doc, purslane, lamb's quarters, and in some parts of the mountains, tiny new fiddlehead ferns are favorites. When my parents lived in Detroit during World War II so my daddy could work in the factories, my mother gathered dandelion and other wild greens from the medium of a boulevard. She told me she couldn't find kale or mustard in the grocery, but the tender greens cooked with bacon provided a taste of home. Creasy greens, known elsewhere as land creases, are a type of mustard that grows both wild and cultivated in the mountains. Similar in flavor to watercress, creases are both stronger in taste and firm in texture. So while some folks these days eat them snipped raw into a salad, the preferred way of dealing with them in Southern Appalachia was to cook them into salad. They shrink in the cooking considerably, so it takes a mighty big amount to feed a family, and that's why beaten eggs were often scrambled into the skillet. Sochan, or Sochani, is another wild spring green, particularly beloved by the Cherokee. Growing profusely along creeks and rivers, when it comes into maturity, this coneflower in the sunflower family will bear bright yellow daisy-like flowers. But the edible leaves of the plant are gathered when young and tender, well before bloom time in the early spring. Sochan leaves should be rinsed well, and then covered with water and simmered until tender before draining well. They can then be made into salad. The green is also good in stews, and the Cherokee often added it to a pot of hominy. Once a pungent mountain secret, deliciously garlicky spring ramps now show up in restaurants all around the country, and there is some worry that they are being badly harvested to meet this demand. Old timers knew that ramps should not be pulled from the ground, root and all. They should be harvested with a sharp knife, cutting the bulb a bit above the rootstock and leaving that root to spread and regenerate a new crop the next spring. Many folks cooked the chopped up ramp leaves and bulbs as described for salad, but generally they were combined with potatoes and or eggs and country ham. Pot liquor. Greens are not only a spring tonic in the mountains, they provide vitamins, minerals, and flavor in the early part of the winter. Now, collards thrive in the sandy soils and hotter climate of the deep and coastal south, but they are very rarely among the greens preferred for growing and eating in the southern Appalachians. The Scots-Irish brought kale to the region, and that sturdy leaf was ballast in the pot. Mustard and turnip are also prized, sometimes added to the kettle for bite to kale's more mineral tang, or cooked and eaten alone. Hardy characters, all three, can sometimes be found in the long harvested garden plot poking up through the snow. This sturdiness <laughs> calls for a long, slow braise with a chunk of pork for seasoning. Like soup beans, a bowl of greens might serve as the center of a wintertime supper. Beloved sometimes even more than the tender greens, the rich broth called pot liquor marries the essence of the greens with the umami of the pork and is best consumed sopped up with absorbent cornbread. Now, schisms exist over whether the best method to do that is to dunk a wedge or crumble it in. I, however, am ecumenical and appreciate both. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Ronnie Lundy read from her book, Vittles, which she has recently won two James Beard Awards from. More information 
about Ronnie and her book at RonnieLundy.com. She spells that R-O-N-N-I-L-U-N-D-Y.com. Coming up, we'll hear from Chef John Fleer of Rhubarb in Asheville, North Carolina. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table comes in part from Magpie's Bakery in downtown North Knoxville, just one block north of Broadway on North Central Street. Magpie's Bakery can accommodate most budgets and styles with celebration cakes and treats for weddings and graduation ceremonies. From a simple rustic barn dance with pies, cookies, and cupcakes to a country club affair with a custom creation with a full selection of ready-made designs, or they can create custom designs for your special event. Magpiescakes.com. All butter, all the time. Now let's visit with Chef John Fleer. He was one of the earliest chefs to bring Appalachian cooking and ingredients into the realm of fine dining while he was chef at Blackberry Farm. A native of North Carolina, he and his wife moved to Asheville and opened the restaurant called Rhubarb after living in Maryville for over two decades. Chef Fleer has helped to bring exposure to so many of our Tennessee producers by spotlighting their products and his concept that he developed called Foothills Cuisine. So we really owe him a big debt of gratitude. Chef John Fleer, and he's got this great restaurant called Rhubarb in Asheville. And how are you today, John? I'm doing wonderfully. Well, good. Very happy that you're here. Well, thanks for sparing some time. It's really very appreciated. So, hey, you were telling me about your WDDX keychain. Now, mm-hmm. now, so you're a WDDX fan? I have been for a very long time. Oh. How can you not be living in East Tennessee? Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I still have my house key on my bright yellow trailer shaped um, key fob that says WDVX on it. So That's so fantastic. I don't listen online as often as I should, but I do occasionally. So. Well, you've got a big restaurant and kids and a life. All of that. It's yeah. kind of hard to just, you know, sit by yourself and stream something sometimes. Sometimes. Well, I am glad that you have been listening, so that's, that's wonderful. Here we are talking with you in your restaurant, and um, some people are or are not familiar. A lot of people go, where did John Fleer go? Like, what's he doing now? <laughs> now what? So, set us straight. Would you, what, what's rhubarb? He went home. <laughs> that boy went, he went home. He, went, he got back across the mountain and, and came home to North Carolina. Sounds good. That was the, um, that was the objective. Uh, you know, when I left Blackberry, it was... Both my wife and I grew up in Winston-Salem, and um, over the years, the 20 years we lived in in Maryville, you know, Asheville was our kind of waypoint. We would stop here to grab a bite to eat. We'd come over for a, you know, a a day-long getaway, or we'd swap our kids with my parents. Um, You know, we'd drop them off if we needed a couple of days to go and do something, and just over those over that time, we watched Asheville grow and um, become this really dynamic, interesting place with a wonderful food scene and wonderful farmers markets. And so, when we did decide to get back across the mountain, we decided that Asheville was our destination, and here we are. Well, 
well. It's, it's a great spot. And your place is right downtown. I mean, really, basically, catty corner to the Asheville Art Museum and this big odalisk downtown. The, right, the Vance Monument, which they've just refinished. Oh, okay. They dug up a time machine, uh, not a time machine, a time capsule yes. uh, from the late 1800s, and they um, took that as an opportunity to clean and refurbish the monument, and they're going to put a, another time capsule in there sometime this summer. So. Oh, nice. That's, that's really but that's cool. definitely the, the landmark of here at the crossroads of downtown. Yes. Well, this is a, a great spot, and uh, you were smart. You took your time, too. You didn't just go build something fast. You, I did. You, you took your time. <laughs> Painstakingly. <laughs> and that's why everybody's like, what's he did? What is he doing? You know. Well, I, I did, uh, in 2009, I opened a restaurant called Canyon Kitchen out in Cashers, North Carolina, for my friend uh, Sally Eason, who operates Sunburst Trout. Um, and so that was a way to get a, a foot in western North Carolina. We actually continued to live in, in Maryville for three of the first three years that restaurant was open. It's very seasonal, so we would operate, you know, from Memorial Day into the fall, and I would drive over to Cashers from Maryville, um, stay for four days, five days, and then come back home and be with the family for a couple days, and then not do anything in the in the winter time in terms of a restaurant except look for a home for for what would become rhubarb so and eventually that happened in 2013 in the fall of 2013 your inspiration behind rhubarb what did you envision you wanted your restaurant to be well i envisioned um i think one of the initial I think the driving force, I think, was that it be a very democratic, with a little d, restaurant. I knew that I was going to be in this crossroads of um, sort of all the things and all the people that, that happen in, in Asheville, and I knew I couldn't have uh, and didn't want at all to have a sort of precious little restaurant somewhere that only a few would come to. I really uh, felt like I had, uh, in a lot of ways, I had done that for a long time. Um, and um, so it was important to me to, to cook and be in a different way um, and to make food that was uh, very much about the ingredients. It was very, which we are so lucky in Asheville to have tremendous producers of not only farmers, but of all kinds of things. Um, and it was important to, to make that accessible. We don't have any walls between the kitchen and the, the dining room. Um, we have community tables where we host Sunday supper, where you know people can come together who haven't met each other before and, and pass food and swap stories and share conversation. Um, and we're right here on the street, you know, right here on everything that you don't, it's not hard to find us, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not tucked away, <laughs> it's right out there, so, and we're, you know, in the, like Friday night, you know, we have, we have this, a wonderful busking population here in, uh, in Asheville, and this is one of the favorite corners here, and so Friday night, uh, Mark was playing his, uh, electrified fiddle, and had a crowd of a hundred, 
people probably out here on the other side of our gate and then we had all of our folks here on the patio that were enjoying his music and it was just um, you know one of those magical atmospheres that makes you just feel really tied to a to a place I don't know if I answered your question but uh, the the big thing was to make it make sure that it was um, I mean that was the, the guiding word was democratic accessibility in terms of the simplicity of the relationship between the food and the three toys I bought for myself a wood-fired grill a wood-fired oven and a, and a very hot griddle or plancha as we call it yeah. well I mean you know it is a it is a it's a it's a bigger restaurant than I imagined I will tell you that um, and so um, Although, you know, we do reservations, we do fill up with reservations, um, especially during the weekends and during the summer and fall season. Mm -hmm. We don't take any reservations on the patio and it's completely first come, first serve. Um, Our chef bar is first come, first serve. We don't take reservations for that as well. So there's always, even if we're booked for reservations, there's always an opportunity. That's a really good way to work it. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Chef John Fleer of the restaurant Rhubarb in Asheville, North Carolina. After the short break, we'll hear more from John. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table comes to you in part by Kenner Tree Care. Family owned and operated out of Louisville, Tennessee. Kenner Tree Care is proud to support this type of local community broadcasting. A certified arborist insured for your protection, offering removal of dead or problem trees, tree pruning, storm emergencies, tree care, soil conditioning, and tree and stump removal. Contact Kenner Tree Care by phone at 865-686-8344 or by Facebook. Kenner Tree Care. Tree Care, Nature's Way. So let's join back up now with Chef John Fleer. You're one of the, the main people a long time ago that has really created this real wave of locally sourced eating. And I dare say the old catchphrase, you know, farm to table. Right. But you were really one of the first people to really start doing this. And, and where I'm from, you know, East Tennessee, and where we're listening from, there's so many people that are snobby about our regional foods, and it's really, really an honorable and important thing that you gave it a place, and I, I really just appreciate that as an East Tennessee. Well, and you know, that was, like I said before, I mean, the, the my objective was to provide people who were visiting that area and you know Blackberry had that has that draw of bringing people from everywhere mm-hmm. and um, you think about it how can you give them how can you provide a unique experience to someone coming to visit while in Tennessee you know you can erect a gorgeous hotel with all the wonderful amenities and um, that doesn't fit into the landscape at all, or you can do what the Bells did and, and 
sort of grow this mountain um, in, mountain country in to something that sort of grew organically and is amazing, but you know started with I think fairly you know humble intentions to provide an experience of the place. And that place just happened to be Walton, so that's a unique experience, you know. That. Can I ask you what your take is on cornbread? Um, everything that I know about cornbread I learned from my grandfather in one sentence and that is um, he told me there was some time when I was trying out a recipe while he was still alive uh, for cornbread that had uh, a little dose of sugar in it he simply said to me, if, if, if that has sugar in it, it is not cornbread, it's a Johnny Cake. Well, <laughs> so, duly noted. Duly noted. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, hey. So. Uh, in addition to that, great corn cornmeal, um, wonderful Cruise Farm buttermilk, and uh, a little Benton's bacon grease, and you're, you're pretty much going to be set, right? Yes. It's hard not to be set with those things. Yeah. So here at Rhubarb in Asheville, what are your hours and what's your website? So the website is rhubarbashville.com and our, we serve, we are closed on Tuesdays. We serve from 1130 uh, through dinner. Uh, Tuesday through Monday then and we're open we open an hour earlier uh, for brunch on uh, Saturday and Sunday so we have the and we have this great patio during the summer we serve a patio what we call the patio menu in the mid-afternoon so after lunch hours to give the kitchen time to transition we serve a little bit simpler menu um, to have out there on the patio and people can sit and watch all the circus of Asheville passed by. <laughs> it's perfect. And then you've got that fantastic Sunday supper. Yeah. And uh, what are the hours for that again? So we do the communal seating for Sunday supper happens uh, every Sunday at 6 30. Uh, we will often and especially in the summer we'll have a guest. We'll we'll sort of celebrate one of our producers. Um, I haven't gotten Alan over yet for a Sunday supper, but we will. Matter, um, time, matter of time. time. And um, so that uh, is a three-course family-style dinner that's served at 6.30. It's limited to about 24 people, uh, but we also have the Sunday supper menu available for tables to enjoy as a whole um, on Sunday evening, all, all evening so. Do you have to make a reservation for that? For the communal Sunday supper, yes. Okay. Reservations are always recommended. Well, Chef John Fleer of Rhubarb in Asheville, thank you so much for being our guest. Well, thanks for coming to visit here at Rhubarb. It's been a real pleasure to get the chance to chat. Thank you. You've been listening to Chef John Fleer of the restaurant Rhubarb in Asheville, North Carolina our guest today on the Tennessee Farm Table. More information about Chef Fleer at rhubarbashville.com. 
This is Alan Benton, and you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Thank you so much for your great company here today on the Tennessee Farm Table. Hope you can join us again right back here next Saturday at 9 a.m. on the radio dial at WDVX.com out in Knoxville or anytime on our podcast, TennesseeFarmTable.com. Our theme song was written by myself and sung, arranged, and performed by Emmy Sunshine of East Tennessee. More information about Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. That is spelled T-H-E-E-M-I Sunshine.com. We hope you'll reach out and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and also our podcast on TennesseeFarmTable.com. And please tell your friends about us. We want to say thank you to WDVX Radio out of Knoxville, Tennessee. They are a true community-supported radio station that does not receive funding from universities or government agencies. The community and businesses support WDVX. Through an agreement with WDVX, they are our media partner, and the Tennessee Farm Table Show is broadcast on that station every Saturday at 9 a.m. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.